0: I would like for you to join me today in the book of John. To be completely honest with you, I don't know exactly where this is going to end up today. But I have just felt the wooing of the Holy Ghost working through my spirit today, just kind of working me over. And so I'm going to just preach what the Lord has, has given me. And we'll see what happens from there. But while you're turning to John chapter 19, I want to as well say not only are we thankful to have all of our guests that are here in the house with us, but we are very thankful for all that have joined us online today. We're so very thankful that you would join us. If you live in the Anderson area and you have been watching online, I want to invite you to get in your car tonight at six o'clock. We're going to be right back in this place, and I want to invite you to come be with us Amen. We are honored that people would watch online, but you know what people say that have been watching online and then they come into the doors of this church? As soon as they get here, they say, man, there is just no comparison to what you see and what you feel. And so we're glad today that you have joined us. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I could start naming names today of people that I'm so very glad to see. And I would Uh, Certainly mess up and miss somebody, but you just suffice it to say that this preacher is beyond grateful that you have joined us in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me say before I get started uh, in John chapter 19, how much I appreciate your kindness to my family and I over the last few days. Uh, My wife and I both uh celebrated birthdays this week and we are so thankful for every card every note every gift everything that you have done we feel so thankful to be a part of this church family Um, i had really good intentions yesterday and i tried to keep up first thing in the morning with people online saying happy birthday and i lost hope at about nine o'clock Because then somebody else would tag and people would start commenting on that feed. And I was like, man, I hope these people don't think I'm mean. Because I didn't like and comment on every post. But just if you said anything, and if you didn't, that's okay too. You may not have been on Facebook. But thank you. Thank you so much for every single word of kindness toward us. And we really, really do love you precious people. Beyond words, and we're thankful to be yoked up with you in the kingdom of God. Amen. John, chapter nineteen, and this is uh, this is a very moving chapter as Jesus is being scourged and mocked. And finally, by verse 17, he bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of Nazareth. The Jews. Now, I could read to you today the entire account of his crucifixion and all of the things that transpired, but I would dare say that if you're here, you have a pretty good idea that Jesus went through some stuff. Amen. Amen. And so I would like to take you directly to verse number 30. Where, when Jesus had received the vinegar, he realized what it was they were trying to give him to quench his thirst. He said three words. If your Bible has red letters in it, there's three words It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Today I could hear the echo of these words through the portals of eternity as they rang from a cross to the front row of a Bible class to a pulpit standing in front of you today. It is finished. The work that he came to do was fulfilled in the cross. And I felt heaven posing the question to my soul today that I would like to present to you. If the cross is not enough, what else could He do? You may be seated. I'm emotional this morning as I step to this pulpit. Because I've lived a pretty good life. I've done my best to please God. I was raised in a godly home and a godly environment. I've been afforded things in this life that so many folks that are under the sound of my voice have not been afforded. I was raised in what I would consider to be a safe place. My parents loved me. They believed in me. They invested in me. They prayed for me. There's not a lot of people in this world that can say they've had the hours of prayer and days of fasting invested in them that I do. And for that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful today that God thought enough of me to bring me to this place. But as just a child... I remember hearing preachers preach about Calvary. Some of the old time preachers, they couldn't have told you what one word was in the strong Greek or in the Hebrew, but man, when they preached about Calvary, yes, sir. it was like you could feel that warm blood dripping off of a cross and soothing your sin sick soul. I remember as a little boy thinking to myself, God, I don't know what I could have done that could keep me from heaven, but whatever it is, I'm asking you to forgive me of it. I remember sitting as a little boy in Sunday school class, had great teachers when I was a kid. Sister Bingham was one of my teachers, Sister Sandy, Brother John. Brother Jim, Jim Pettigrew, I had some great teachers. And I remember sitting in class, and I would hear them teach about Calvary. And man, could they forevermore paint a picture for you? Then they'd give you a little paper that they'd got from Sunday School Department headquarters building It sent, you know had this little page they'd tear out of the book. And there hung this man with a crown of thorns on his head and these little drops running down off of his forehead. And I never dreamed as a kid with a red marker filling in them little red dots where blood was dripping down his head that every single drop was for me, and that in my lifetime I would make a lot of mistakes, and I would fail God many times, but never would I fail Him to the place that one solitary drop of His precious blood could not wash over my soul and cleanse my mind. I don't know today where you come from in your story. Some of you I do and some of you I don't. And I'm thankful for every one of you that are here. But I want to tell you that some of you were not raised in a place like I was in a preacher's home. Some of you have been around the block a few times. You've dealt with a lot of pain and suffering in your life. And for that I'm sorry. There are people here today that have been treated in ways that human beings should have never been treated even as children. And for that I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for the mean things that people have said to you in the way that people have turned their backs on you. And some of you have been forsaken, literally, been forsaken in your life as people washed their hands of you and turned and walked away from you and left you to raise kids on your own, left you by yourself to work a job and make it on your own. But I want to tell you today whether your story looks anything like mine or your story looks anything like those that have been through the ringer and back the furthest away that you could be from a preacher's home in childhood. I want to tell you today that if Calvary is not enough for my life, then it's not enough for your life. And if Calvary is not enough to fix your broken world, then what else could he do to fix your life? I'm going to preach this to you today. I know I'm working kind of slowly, but you got to stay with me right here. I didn't come up here with a book full of notes. I came up here today with a crushed heart because I believe somebody in this house today has believed the lies that the enemy has told you that where you've been and what you've done are by far too great for God to ever do anything with your life. But I wish somebody would hear me today. And let your heart be crushed by the Spirit of God as he works through this house today. I've come to give you a very, very simple elementary message of hope. It does not matter where you've been. It does not matter what they've told you. It doesn't matter what they told you you would amount to. I'm telling you, if his blood is not enough, there's nothing else that he could do. My heart breaks today as I look at some of the torment and the struggle that some of you have been through. I've sat in counseling sessions, conversations with many of you only to hear you say, I don't deserve his goodness. Well, I want to tell you there's not one of us in this room that do. But I am so very grateful that he thought enough of me not to send a substitute, not to send Jehovah Jr., Not to find some second person and send him to do a job that he wasn't willing to do. But John chapter 1 and verse 14 said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm telling you right now, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 speaks all the volumes that I need to hear. Howbeit perceive we the love of God because he... Laid down his life for us. It was God Almighty that robed himself in flesh and laid down his life for you and for me. If that's not enough, he laid down his life. For the broke down and the despondent. He laid down his life for the depressed. He laid down his life for the weary. He laid down his life for the divorced. He laid his life down for those that have struggled with dark places in your life. That nobody else has ever had the opportunity to look into. He laid down his life for those of you that have secret hallways and corridors in your life where hateful things have forever left an indelible mark in your life. And people have told you that you'll always be trash. And you'll never amount to anything else because of who you are and where you came from. There's no hope for you, but I've got a good message for you today. I know they told you you'd always be a drug addict. I know they told you because your daddy was you'd always be an alcoholic. I know they told you you'd always run the streets. But thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in his name. I've got a testimony today. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. He said, it is finished. Now, to some, these are just three words painted in red in your Bible. I understand the context of the three words, it is finished. That this was the finishing of the work of redemption in the earth. But if you would give me a little hermeneutical privilege today. And a little latitude, I want to tell you that this three-word phrase, it is finished, is not just something that we need to leave on the pages of this book as a part of history and God's redemption plan. But these are three words that I feel like each and every one of us today, because of these words, have the power to take this three-word phrase, And apply it to our lives. There are some folks in this house today that are tired of living the same old cycle. You're tired of falling down, coming to church, praying through, feeling convicted, God touching your heart. Then you go right back to the same deal. Live for God for three weeks. Then you're struggling fourth week. You start missing a little bit before you know it, you're out of church. But I want to tell you that because of the work that he finished today... You have the authority and the power in this room that before you leave this house today, you can take those words of Jesus and you can speak them out of your mouth. I understand that you are flesh and you are weak, but I want to tell you something else you are. You are a child of the risen King. And I want to tell somebody that has been weak in your life and you've struggled with standing for a while, I just want to tell you, if you'll get back up again today... And you'll square up your shoulders and you'll look him in the face and say, Lord, I was weak yesterday. I slipped and fell and made a mistake, but today is a brand new day. And every curse that has been spoken over me and every generational curse that has been applied to me, I declare and decree in the name of Jesus, it is finished. Come on, I'm issuing a challenge from the pulpit of the house of God today. You look that addiction in the eye right now and declare to that addiction, it is finished. I know some things take time for folks, but let me tell you something that we don't preach about enough. And that is the delivering power of Jesus' name. I don't want to sound insensitive right here or sound counterproductive to what I've been preaching to you. But I'm afraid that the Jesus we have presented has become a Jesus of just some jelly-backed weak need process that everybody that comes in is gonna to get to take their eight years to get established and get established in the word and get established in the church. And oh well, you know, it just takes time with some people. I understand that. And we've got to have grace in our, our conversation with people and be careful with how we deal with people. But also I think we need to acknowledge the fact that he's still has the power to deliver. I understand it takes some folks a little while to lay down their addictions. But I'm telling you, I have been in services where a little boldness comes over somebody and they reach in their pocket or their purse and pull out those Marlboros and make their way up to a platform at an altar of repentance and lay them down. Come on, somebody. I've been in services on those Sunday nights when somebody goes out to their car and grabs a whole stash of marijuana or grabs a whole bucket of pee and bring them in, lay them... You know what? I thank God for counselors that are helping people with addiction problems. I thank God for that. It's a gift that we need. It's something that needs to be established. I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in it. But I also believe in the delivering power of Jesus' name and the power of a made-up mind. That's why we need the body of Christ so that when I get weak, I can put my arm in the arm of my brother and say, Bro, I'm having a bad day. I've had a bad week this week but I need somebody to strengthen me and tell me I can make I need somebody to pray over me today and declare it is finished I need somebody to touch and agree with me today that what I've been going through is done. I don't know if I can make it on my own, but that's why God gave me you. That's why God gave me brothers. That's why God gave me sisters. And so with the power of agreement today, we stand to our feet and we declare when the church started in the book of Acts, the second chapter. In the upper room, there's a key that I believe unlocks the door to true apostolic revival. It said they were in one mind and one accord in one place. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They had been sitting in the same room for 10 days. Now, when I was a boy in this church, we used to have fundraisers that we called rockathons. I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. We would sit in rocking chairs, we would literally rock for 12 hours straight. I know you think that's every kid's dream, but the chair had to be rocking. If you had to get up and go to the bathroom, somebody had to come sit in your chair and make your chair rock while you left. Holy moly. It probably wouldn't be that hard now with iPhones. Everybody would be like, hey, did you bring your plug? (laughs) We'd be playing games for 12 hours. But my point is that in those 12-hour time periods, we'd have to have adults come over and rock people's chairs because kids were getting up out of chairs ready to fuss and fight with each other. And I thought, Lord, how in the world... Can you sit in the same room for 10 days with 120 people and everybody be on the same page? Well, the things we don't think about with Pentecost. Okay, we just came through a quarantine. I'm sure all you perfect people sat in the house with your family for 498 days and never did get in a fuss. I had some days when I got up, I was like, I'm sick of looking at these walls. I'm sick of ramen. I don't want one more can of soup. I'm sick of baloney." and that don't happen. I'm actually talking about food. I'm not talking about... I don't get sick of baloney, but I was sick sick of it. I was like, I want to go somewhere where I can raise my hand and say, Excuse me, ma'am, could I have some more sweet tea? I was ready to go somewhere and be waited on and and have a meal and not smell like the grease of the food I was cooking. You know what I'm saying? But when you get together like that, it's easy for there to be some distraction. And so what I watched happen was that people were removed from a source of strength that they had on a weekly basis. They weren't in the house of God every week. And they were put in a situation where the place where they usually went to find strength for their marriage and their home and their family they could not go to. And then they're stuck in their house with their marriage and their family and they're struggling just to find their place. And do you realize, I know, I know it was just a virus, right? But has anybody seen what's going on in the divorce courts since the pandemic hit the United States? Yet we're silly enough to sit back and say, oh, man, it was just a virus. We better all be careful. I'm going to tell you what, whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, that's on you. But you better get your mask off in the prayer room. We had better be unmasking in the prayer room and getting down before God and saying, look, we are wise to the devil's devices. We see what he's been trying to do. We see what he's been trying to wreak havoc on. Come on, somebody. That, that may be a little bit more exciting if I can spit that to the fifth row, but I'm breaking it down for you Gerber style right now where you can digest it down in your soul. And when that narrative starts to lose steam, man, division starts happening all over the place. And people are talking about things that should have been put to rest in their hearts a long, long time ago. And I'm just saying all along, all along, I'm just saying... Between here and the coming of the Lord, we're going to have to get wise and realize that not everything the world does and says do we have to get involved in. And we need to realize that we are the body of Christ. And I don't don't care what the devil tries to tell us. We are not as divided of a nation as he wants us to believe that we are. And the healing that this nation needs is gonna come from this altar right here, and from this pulpit right here, and from your mouth when you pray. We need to love one another. But if he can ever get us divided in the body of Christ, forgive my language, but the whole world's gonna to go to hell. Because this right here is where we cannot afford division. It's so funny to me. Some people can't wait for November, can't wait to get their vote cast. I can't wait for Sunday. I don't care. I got my opinions, and I keep them to myself for the most part. Because I'm a smart man. (laughs) You can be right or you can be happy and you can't be both. (laughs) How do you know that? Because I've been married long enough to know that. Man, that's the best preaching I've done all day. I'm fixing to drop a truth bomb on you, so don't fall off your seats, okay? I don't care what happens in November. If we don't get this place in order, it don't matter who gets elected. Because God is not American. God is not Democratic. God is not involved in our politics. And if we don't have our hearts right, look, you can say what you want to, but I'm bold enough to tell you that if the mindset gets in control and authority in this nation that's wanting to push a godless antichrist agenda, we're done anyway and the Lord's coming back. If it does not, then you and I have to understand we've got a sure opportunity to work. I don't care. Listen. There were so-called conservative people in offices when the first legal gay marriage happened in America. So don't tell me that Republican or Democrat matter. Uh, I think you need to go do your job and vote. Yes, you need to get that done. But if your heart is not right, I don't care who you vote for. You're counting on a politician to fix what you don't want to deal with in your own heart. It ought to break your heart before November that people are killing babies. It ought to break your heart. It ought to break your heart that men and women of different colors are hating one another and killing one another. That is not in the body of Christ. That's in the agenda of the world. That is not in the church. It's not. And if he can ever get us to not focus on what really matters in the pages of this book right here, then we've lost sight of the real battle that's going on. And the battle that's going on is not for Washington, D.C. It is for eternity and for a soul. I've heard it, I've heard it happen. I've heard it prophesied in my lifetime many, many times. I've even had people prophesy over me, and if it comes true, then so be it. I, it's fine. That God was going to raise up people to go to the White House before the coming of the Lord. That we're going to get in the year of leadership. And we would see many people receive the Holy Ghost and all that kind of stuff. And we have. Uh, I haven't personally been there. I have friends that have been there. We have people in the White House right now that have been baptized in Jesus' name. That have been filled with the Holy Ghost. That's fine. Whatever. It's all good. But I'm, I'm saying this to you today. When it comes to the eternal picture, not the value of that soul that got the Holy Ghost, don't don't misquote what I'm saying because you like politics and you like to fuss. What I'm saying to you is the eternal perspective does not revolve around Washington, DC. The eternal perspective revolves around a tree that was made out of crisscross beams. Whereon the blood from Emmanuel's veins soaked in. And there beneath that crimson flood, he washed all my guilty stains. I feel like telling somebody this morning the old song that we used to sing is still as true as it's ever been. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. If his blood is not enough and his cross is not enough, what else is he going to have to do? I went today, this scripture, I was just wrestling with this in my mind and I was sitting in my office And something got a hold of me and I started reading through the story of Judas. God have mercy. What a sad story. And today I was reading about Judas and he took the 30 pieces of silver and he went to Jesus and turned him over in the garden and the men carried him out and then conviction got a hold of him. And I'm hurrying through this, I hope you're familiar with the story of Judas, but Conviction got a hold of him and he took that 30 pieces of silver and he went back to the Sanhedrin and he threw it down. Now, Judas should have been there at Pentecost when the church started. We know this so strongly because the first order of business, well, pretty much the first order of business before the church could be established, was they had to find a replacement for him. They're 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 drawing straws for who's gonna replace Judas. Now Think about the tragedy. You're going to have to be replaced at the fulfillment of the promise of the Father because you fell short just before the Holy Ghost fell. It's a little heavier than some folks want to carry, I guess. Think about this now. Here I'm reading about Judas this morning. And literally like on the next page, Jesus is crucified. And I wanted to just scream out loud and say, Judas, shedding your blood fixes nothing. Mm. He went and hanged himself and his blood and guts fell out on the rocks. Think about this. In one chapter, the blood of a man does nothing but bring damnation to his soul. The very next page over, the blood of a man could have redeemed everything that that loss of blood felt was impossible to heal. That ought to sink in on somebody right there. How close are you, Judas? To breaking through all of the struggle that's in your mind right now. You're just a few short hours away, Judas, from being able to kneel down at the foot of that cross and feel redemption's plan unfold. Could you imagine Judas next to Peter in the book of Acts, the second chapter, and said, hey, I've got a testimony similar to his. I too had lost my way, and I almost sold out for 30 pieces, but I took the 30 pieces back, and I said I refuse to quit now. Oh God help us Could you imagine Judas standing up And saying you're not going to replace me I showed up for the party I showed up for redemption I showed up for Pentecost And that Is when my mind immediately Began to realize That there was a side of Jesus That the other 11 saw and beheld that Judas never got to see. Judas never did get to see what the power of his blood could do. Judas never did get to see what one cross could do. He never did see the effect of what could happen when a man hangs his head and says three words, it is finished. Do you understand, Judas, if you would have hung on just a few more hours, when he said it is finished, he'd be talking about your failure, just like he was Peter's failure, just like he was John the Beloved who was struggling in his faith, just like he did John Baptist who was struggling in his faith in a prison cell. Can I tell you right now, you are closer than you ever Dream that you were today. You may think that you got up on Sunday morning and came to church just to get somebody off of your back that's been trying to get you to come for months. You may think you came here on this Sunday morning by accident and happenstance, and this just happened to be the Sunday that you were here, but I beg to differ with you. You came on a day that perfectly aligned in the plan of God and you are so much closer to a breakthrough than you've ever dreamed Could you imagine walking out of this house today just before the blood started to flow over your life? Could you imagine walking out of this house today just before your sins were forgiven? I'm telling you, if you have never repented of your sins and been baptized in the matchless name of Jesus and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, today is the day. If the cross is not enough, what else could he do? I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning Would you please Oh mighty God There's room at the cross for you today I'm asking you sinner saint backslider Cold and indifferent To bow your heads right now We're not bowing in shame Just in reverence of the moment and I want to see the hands of those of you in this house today with nobody looking around, please. They would say, Pastor, I've gotten just a little further away from God than I ever intended to go. But I believe there's enough power in His cross today to bring me back to where I need to be. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, there's something sweet trying to move in this room right now. Hallelujah. That's it, child of God. Let those tears flow. If you feel so compelled right now, before they ever start playing any music, you feel so compelled, step out and come right now. These halters are open right now. Come on, this is more than a public profession of an inward faith. This is about the recognition that His cross is enough for you, friend. His cross is enough for you. Oh, great God of heaven. If his blood can't wash it, it cannot be washed. If his blood cannot cleanse you, it cannot be cleansed. If his blood cannot forgive you, it cannot be forgiven. Oh, God, come on. We're not up here for a gathering and a convention this morning. We're not up here to show people we're spiritual or to show somebody we're weak for that matter. I'm just telling you, if you want a touch, there's a touch that's available right now. If you want Jesus to heal your body and touch your mind and heal your emotions and touch you right now where you've been broken in a million pieces, there's enough power here right now. Ah, His blood is enough. Hallelujah. Oh. Come on, I can't imagine walking out on God right now. I wonder if Judas will notice in eternity how close he was. I wonder how many people will go out into eternity realizing... On Sunday, June the 28th, 2020, God gave me an opportunity. (laughs) But I was afraid that I was so messed up that His blood couldn't heal me and fix me. But if His cross is not enough today, oh God... Come on, we refuse today to let the enemy remind us of all of our failures and our faults. It's not at all right now about where you've been. It's about where you're going today. Come on, break down that pride right now. Would you do that? Just throw down your pride. Relinquish your pride right now. Come to this altar and find the love of Jesus this morning. Come on somebody, let him touch you. Hallelujah.